This is the AI Assisted Organization podcast hosted by myself, Piers Linney, co-founder of Implement AI, and my co-host and other co-founder of Implement AI, Dr. Alok Shukla. Welcome back. Welcome, Piers. How are you? <laughs> it's taking me, what, I think it's like a month to get back on the road. Exactly. We've been um, traveling, doing events, um, clients, there's just been so much on. But um, we're back. I think I think it's good to take a bit of a break in January anyway to get our our ducks in a row for the year. Yeah. So there's a lot to go through. So we're not going to try and catch up on all the AI news in January because there's been a lot. We try and focus this podcast, as you know, on AI for business. So we're, we're trying to sort of fine tune it and, and keep it to that, really. A lot of it hasn't really been that. So we'll try and focus on the big news. This is our first podcast of 2024. We're not going to go through, you know, predictions. It's worth mentioning, I think, which we're going to do is about where we think we are. And, and where we think kind of state of the nation almost, where we think it's going to go throughout the rest of this year. Um, so you've been in the UK, have you did quite a few events here, meetings? Yeah, yeah. So I was in Manchester last week and London as well for different events. So there's like a, there's an event with the Chamber of Commerce in Manchester. That was really good. And also people from Manchester University. And then in London at a financial advisors conference for Schroeder's, that was really good as well. So overall, so many conversations with different either academics or business owners and, you know, the implications of doing AI. And it was a hot topic. I mean, everywhere it's it's a hot topic. It is the topic, basically, right? And I think like there's, there's so many things going on. And what was really helpful, the feedback from what we were presenting was because we talk about the systems and the frameworks and AI as a whole, not specific necessarily technology or specific tools, but like how to approach it as a whole. It was very positive and people felt there's lots of actionable information. And absolutely, it's just great, great to engage with people and hearing about their plans because there's so many entrepreneurs like trying to do some interesting things. And that's really cool. I mean, this is the key thing that we're learning, really. If you look at our business or, you know, what is it? What's the intellectual property? What's the know-how? It's actually working with small and medium-sized enterprises. And our clients raise from what a million in revenue in some cases. So I think our largest clients are four hundred million and kind of everything uh, in between. Uh, but it's learning what are the pain points? How how are organisations thinking about this? At what pace do they want to think of implementing AI? How do they implement AI? And that's what we're learning. It's the human parts as well as the technology yeah. parts. because you need, you need both of them to happen in tandem. And people sometimes underestimate that it's just a technology thing, but it's also a human thing about you know setting the leadership goals, setting the vision, explaining where people are going to be brought along, and also like how we're going to do things differently in policies. And not just policies from a legal perspective, but policies from a kind of humanistic perspective about how, how things will be done. And I think it's you've got to like look at those things because essentially AI provides digital labor. And if you want to integrate that digital labor into your workforce, you need to adapt both both parts of it, your technology and also the people. And it's kind of top down. We tend to have a champions in business or the business owner, but also leveling up you know, senior leadership teams. We're having a huge push yeah. here on um, training because we, we've kind of realized actually working with our clients that training is the first core thing you have to do in terms of implementing AI. No point in giving people super powerful tools if they don't know how to use them because they're not going to extract yeah. the value that can be extracted from those tools. That's something we're really, really focusing on. AI sort of um, what we call boardroom briefings, working yeah. with senior leadership, level everybody up so they can have a conversation with people. So there isn't that kind of asymmetry of information in the room. Yeah, exactly. I heard several times from senior people in different organizations, they said that, like, look, we tend to have like one person who's super enthusiastic about it and the, and the other people are just blocking it because... They don't know enough about it. There's always power struggles where like different departments are like having their own responsibilities, their own visions, their own roadmaps. And the thing is, sometimes the thing is like AI affects all the divisions. It's not just for one area. It's not just the CTO suite, uh, information suite. It's for everybody. So a very 
core important thing is actually getting everyone to a common understanding. So you can have a common conversation together. And we've had several inquiries already for for that, literally just to ensure that the, the boardroom and the senior leadership are on the same page and they can understand the opportunities clearly. So then they can have the conversations, you know, together about, you know, where we're going to go. Because most companies' planning cycles tend to be quite long and quite far in advance. But with this, you have to almost condense it, but you still have to go through a process for that, basically. And that's why we have this program we're going to talk about. <laughs> this is our intro. So it shows you how long, <laughs> how long it's been since we've done one of these. But one of the things we found that working with one of our clients is kind of onion rings almost, where the core is quite to me, especially when it's regulated, but that's going to happen over time. Out of the sort of extremities, really, where there's less risk, you can be more innovative. You can find that AI can make a massive difference. So what we started doing is some, um, we did live events. I won't mention the one with the Chamber of Commerce in Manchester quite recently. We actually did our own live event, like a webinar, an hour long. Um, if you sign up as an AI insider, all of our newsletters, we're going to sort of send out the link. You can still access it for a period of time. It won't be forever because these things kind of change as in data over time. The technology evolves. But the theme this week, our first podcast of 2024, is going to be a bit about just, you know, state of the nation just quickly. And then we're going to talk about, you know, the AI news as well as for business. And then we're going to focus on something we've seen, which is, it's been transformative for a lot of our clients, is AI voice and the voice assistance and what we call call agents. So these are things where, you know, we're talking to companies, say, look, where are your pain points? Where are your blockers? A lot of companies are very focused on revenue growth, not cost optimization or reducing costs. And the best way of doing that really is engaging with prospects, is closing prospects, is reducing churn, is focusing on how do you grow revenue. And that's something that voice can really help you with. No, 100%. And there's some super exciting things, but we're going to come to that in the second part of it. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I've already heard from different people where they've had like eight people just answering the phone and just taking down data, just data collection, right? And AI can do all these things much more powerfully. Right, don't ruin it. <laughs> That's quite cool. So, so um, I wrote a piece. It's on uh, the Implement AI website. It's going to be, we're kind of doing a news blog section as well. It's on my website, paisley.com. It's on LinkedIn as well. That was kind of predictions for the year. Our predictions, but also I kind of factored in lots of other predictions from you know, ourselves all the way through to people like Bill Gates. So that's worth going to have a read. You haven't really caught up on where this is going. If you're now coming out of, you know, planning cycles where you've decided that, you know, this year we need to take a look at artificial intelligence and, and what it means. Because, you know, we use this as all of our sort of marketing lines, but you have to start implementing AI before your competition does. Because the the, the pace of change, the as Alan was alluding to, the the understanding of how you go about doing this is something that we're learning and we're learning very quickly, but we do this all day, every day, day in, day out. If an organization wants to pick this up, what you can't do is sit on your hands. It is not cloud. You can't come back in, in 10 years and say, oh, let's go and move transition to the cloud now. Let's delay our digital transformation journey for a couple of years. We've got other fish to fry. It doesn't work in AI. But what you can't do, and we've seen people try to do this, is you can't have a, an organizational-wide AI rollout, an AI implementation plan. It doesn't work like that. It's process by process, workflow by workflow, department by department, pain point by pain point. And in some cases, Alec was saying earlier, it's person by person who needs the right training. So point really is, is that 2023... You saw the arrival of large language models, and your chat GPT, and your claws, and you know, even sort of Google's. 2024 is when you're going to see artificial intelligence go mainstream. And actually, we're nearing the end of January, and we've already seen that in many places. It's going mainstream you know, in geopolitics, in large organizations, the news. People don't quite know how yet, but it's going to become something that every organization needs to think about and needs to be planning for some implementation of AI at some yeah, level. 100%. 
One of the big ones, actually, we, we focus, somebody actually got a course, and it's now a course for business leaders, is personal AI adoption as well. So yes, your organization should think about it. I mentioned Microsoft Copilot shortly. We've got to think about how do you augment yourself as an individual, as a business leader, as an entrepreneur, uh, using artificial intelligence, with something that myself and Alok do every day. I don't know how I actually live without it now. It's having that that sounding board, that team member, that sidekick, your wingman yeah. or woman, whatever you want to call it, there for you 24-7. No, I agree. Like, honestly, now the first point of call with planning everything is like, I start talking with the AI and explaining what we're doing. And I just find the voice so much easier, like to kind of like talk into the version versus typing it. And then you get you get the answer where you want to go to. But I, I can't imagine how, you know, like companies have to start using this now. But again, as we talked about, it's about knowing knowing how to use it. Yeah. So Meta, uh, one of the big announcements really, it's quite fascinating where Meta is in artificial intelligence. They, Meta is very focused on open source. Uh, we don't quite know what the commercialization strategy is going to look like. But one thing that Mark Zuckerberg said is that Meta is announcing that they intend to open source artificial general intelligence, AGI. This is kind of the first holy grail before we get to ASI, artificial super intelligence. So what they're saying is, is that this incredibly powerful tool, which is an all-purpose general AI that can do almost anything cognitively and eventually physically when it's embodied in robots that a human could do. And what they're saying is they're going to open source this. Now, clearly, there are issues with doing that because it's very, very powerful. What the argument is, is it's better for certain organizations to have a proprietary version of the super, super, supremely powerful technology or should it be open source? The question then is, how is it open source and who has access to it? And will bad actors have access to it as well? Well, you're seeing that Meta is absolutely leading the charge on open source and some very, very powerful models. They're also now training Llama 3, which is their kind of a foundational model, which is going to be fascinating to use. We've been using Llama 2, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. no, no, it's, it's great. And and I think like having options is always good because you know AI is going to be, that's your next point basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my next point is, how is that the ruin? Is that... And then a few weeks ago now, but the, the consumer electronics show, right? There's AI in everything. Some of it I don't fully understand, you know, I'm making this one up. You don't really need AI on a skateboard, right? But you're going to see AI in a fridge. So you've got to imagine this, that your refrigerator, your white technology in your kitchen, can you say you open the fridge door, you place a bunch of bananas in, AI vision already can look at it, know what it is, knows it's a banana, bunch of bananas it can probably count them it knows how many bananas there are and then for knows what's in your refrigerator you can then ask it i want to make something what do i need when you're out it can look inside your refrigerator it knows what's in there already and then tell you on the fly what ingredients you need or you're missing to make a particular dish and that could be aligned with some kind of a diet or uh, i don't know food protocol you come up with by using a, a gpt as well or a chatbot or chat gpt for example AI is going to be in everything. So Samsung TVs, you're now seeing that these small local models are going to be running inside Samsung's next generation of phones. Literally, there isn't going to be any, that kind of, I mean, there was a thing called Rabbit Launch as well. I've actually ordered one. I think it's going to arrive in March, apparently. Probably out of date by then. But that combination of hardware, quite simple hardware, it's basically, it can run um, a model locally and it can see it's got a camera that's all it really does then it talks to a model to, to do all for its intelligence and knowledge it needs to work hardware and large language models are being fused so you literally by the end of this year you won't be able to buy anything that hasn't got some ai budge slapped on the side of it i mean you look at like raspberry pi for example like this small like the small computers and stuff like that i'm sure they're going to start shipping with like small ai models inside it and just like you said like literally 
your door can be intelligent, you know, like any, any appliance can be intelligent. These all okay with the fridge. It could potentially even reorder for you. If you say, I always want this much stock of these things and things like that will do it. But I mean, literally these small open source models, different ones, that's where all these opportunities kind of come into. And yeah, that was a really fast, really, really seamless experiences, basically. And anything that doesn't have an AI in it, in these sorts of ways, is just going to feel broken, basically, right? That's going to start coming in because people's expectations shift very rapidly. Like once you got used to Amazon One Click or Netflix or something like this, other things just seem painful by default, right? So I think we're going to see a shifting of consumer expectations, which will then drive adoption of AI from the people that we're holding off from it as well, basically. Yeah, there's a big land grab for what's the next, you know, kind of iPhone for us. What is a form factor? I think what you're going to see is that the big players sort of stop and watch the startups trying. You've always seen that the humane pin, which kind of launched, I think they're already laying people off. So this cycle is very, very quickly. Rabbits launch, people are saying, are they actually going to be able to produce this thing? And it's one person. There's no subscription either, isn't it? Like, uh... Yeah, exactly. So you're seeing this this land grab, right? What probably happened is all these startups get acquired if any of them are any good. Um, Phones, you know, translation, you know, real-time translation. I'm a, we planned a trip to Japan at the end of April. I know you've been, I've never been to Japan. One of the things that sort of stalled it was the fact that it's quite hard to communicate there because there's nothing, everything's in Japanese. And now I, I've created a GPT that's that planned a trip and also it will translate. And it will know when someone's speaking Japanese, it'll translate to English. When it hears English, it'll translate to Japanese. And I don't need to go and buy that. I just build it. It took me probably seven minutes. In a chat, GPT plus. But what happens to and all these language companies and like just travel guides and all that kind of stuff? Like if you're in that content business, imagine like those. Well, if you've got translation and all that, and, like, and then you've got the entirety of human knowledge also to overlay and 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 engage with it, and your tastes and your preferences, that way, and your plans and what kind of hotel or you know whatever kind of accommodation you prefer. So. It's already changed the way that we're sort of planted. We've got a van converge where we're doing another trip around Northern Europe, so Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania. Again, it's planned the whole thing out as well. It's just, it's insane. So you're going to see more and more of this technology embedded into hardware. As Alok said, hardware without it is going to seem and appear stupid and it's not going to compete. You know, I saw this graph, which was basically comparing the rise of Google's revenue with the decline of newspaper revenue in the same time period, basically, right? Because basically all the classified ads and all that kind of stuff, that was all just being eaten by Google's revenue, just kind of going up with search and everything like this. And I think we're going to see something maybe similar where like maybe some legacy media, things like this, like a friend of mine is building like a, an AI, which has ingested a whole load of books and then but moves beyond books where you just say what your problem is. It'll recommend a few different bits from different books and things like this. So I think that like this consolidation of knowledge from, you know, like translation books from tour books to this to that all of this getting abstracted into like one interface all the information in that one thing and it will talk to you when you want it you know it's really going to eat a lot of stuff so i don't know if you meant to do this but that means that brings on neatly to the next point which is one of the concerns is and we've seen this in um social media and media generally is that people start to chase down you know run down rabbit holes you end up in this sort of bubble and all you hear is what you want to hear and therefore the algorithm starts to tell you more of what you want to hear and you can then reverse back out of it and one of the questions is this was a, a sam oldman was talking about this is that you know will models so large language models will they go you know they're generalists now you've got some specialist ones for example healthcare for example and some you know, in scientific ones but will you end up with a model essentially that's specialized to you the individual 
So imagine this this problem you've got with media, media bubbles, that your entire existence, everything you do, even your refrigerator, <laughs> they're going to know who you are, what interests you, what you want to see, what you want to hear, and therefore it encapsulate you in an even more robust um, sealed unit. Wow. Which could be actually quite dangerous. So yeah, I don't think that's a good thing necessarily. I think the good thing that's been refreshing about AI is like it reopens you up to different points of view. And because it's like not a persona, you can't like attack it for having the wrong view essentially, you know, so. Well, that, that's, that's the upside of it. But you know, people always, you know, we've seen it happen in media. So this is something that, again, this is why, you know, open sourcing AGI, having models that people can actually build around themselves personally. And then you know, some, you know, some people have some you know, pretty horrific ideas what's going to happen that's why you need safety it's quite important something we touch on now and then now we had a davos as well so you saw there that the imf says that 60 percent of us jobs could be impacted by ai so are not impacted in a good way so there is this all there's a curve right there's i think it's going to peak at some point where as we sort of drive up to it there's going to be huge opportunity for people that, that grasp ai they embrace it they implement it in their businesses and there'll come a point where AGI or particularly um, good general AI and robotics, it does start to eat into the number of humans that need to be employed around the world. We're nowhere near that yet, but it is coming. All the research shows that. So when 50% of um, CEOs think that, that the people that work for them, their jobs, their roles are going to be threatened or fundamentally changed. Well, 68% of US CEOs think that general AI is a Generative AI will increase productivity by 50%. And 44% expect generative AI to provide a net increase in profits. Only 3% of US CEOs think that generative AI is going to result in a decrease in profitability. So that tells you something about the the kind of the need, the optimism, but also the economic impetus to actually implement this technology. You're going to see more and more of it. So that was kind of dabble. So that's what came out of there really, in terms of AI. Also, it's about safety, obviously. And moving on, the other big news really is, I don't know if you've played with it, if you're a ChatGPT Plus customer or Claude, or we've seen Google, Gemini, Ultra coming soon, you should be, going back to using it for your, your sort of personal needs, is the ChatGPT Plus store where you can create GPTs. Essentially, imagine ChatGPT, if you're a Plus customer, there's a thing called custom instruction where you can go and give it context about who you are how you want it to respond to you. So every time you start uh, prompting, you haven't got to give all that context and background and repeat myself over and over again. A GPT is kind of a version that you can create lots of them. And also you can provide documentation. You can also integrate into APIs and, and calls. So they're quite powerful things. Uh, and there's been a lot of, you know, YouTubers and people going on, you know, online, making videos about how you're going to become a multimillionaire. Like, it's like getting into the app store earlier. I'm not convinced, really. I think these things are quite simple. They haven't started paying anything yet. Like, uh, and, and I think... Yeah, I've really... I haven't really found one there, have you? I've been lost in the iCloud, as you saw. I had lots of videos saying, I'll bid for the GPT, and you go through these videos, and you think, well, I could just build that myself in five minutes. Why are we ever going to pay for it? Yeah. Um, not AI yeah. girlfriends as well. That's a different story. Yeah, there's a lot of AI girlfriends. Uh, well, I'm not sure they're on GPT. But that, that's going to be, let's face it, that's going to be another huge market. That wasn't on my list, Alok, but that's going to be a huge market. You're already seeing some of these... Um, Instagram models that are just completely AI, you know, generating $1,000 a month. It's, it's insane. Now, the other big news, which we can't ignore, uh, we're using it, is Microsoft Copilot. So it's now generally available. It's going to cost you about £300 a year per person, and you've got to pay it up front. So if you've got quite a few employees, that becomes quite a big monthly investment. And this goes back to the, that's fine, as long as you're now to use it, and you're extracting value from it. You're getting a return yes. on that investment. Just turning on Copilot, 
and people see this the logo and these prompts appearing everywhere and they don't know how to use it you're probably going to find that um you end up what the good old garbage in garbage out so training is really important and luckily for you we've actually designed a training course around microsoft copilot so you haven't seen that yet go to our website go to training have a look and you can sign up for that too i think it's really i think letting people loose on uh, generative AI or Copilot without knowing how it works and how to use it. Yeah, I agree with you. It can be a waste of time. You have to know how to use it, how to set the configurations, all those things. Otherwise, you're just not going to be able to like just get out what you want. And then it Things like um, we use different methodologies to um, you know record meetings and transcribe them and analyze them. So when you're in Microsoft, you can do that. But it depends what you end up getting called into a meeting as a Google meeting or on Slack or whatever. It, it doesn't quite work. So um, you need to understand the limitations of it as well, as well as what it can do. But I think that's going to be, it is a game changer. It is it is actually quite powerful. I mean, you know, I've just started playing with it really when we're making our course and learning and there's still a long, long way to go. And I've been trying to find time purposely to learn how to use this thing to make myself more productive. Uh, and it's not that straightforward. Another big one, something I play with moving on is AI video. So AI video is something you've heard a lot of, the text of video, there was kind of two second videos, four second videos, a little bit of rubbish. That's changing. So you're now seeing that Runway ML, Pika, Google have just launched one called Lumia, which is fantastic actually. Super, super realistic. Yeah, you're seeing uh, TV adverts be made out of this now. I think 2024, I think it was one, one of our predictions that you may see, maybe not a feature link, but a reasonably long, film or documentary made using 100% AI. So the use case in business is coming very soon. Let's face it, being able to create video, high quality video cheaply is something that has eluded all of us for years, but that day is coming. And imagine like you're, imagine you're an advertising agency and you're normally selling you know, models at this price or this at this price and all that kind of stuff and on location shoots and the costs and the, you can't have two versions of the advert and everything that is versus going to an AI version where you could have like, you know, you want three versions of this, do you want it localized? Do you want, do you want to Chinese actors for China? Do you want Japanese ones for Japan? Do you want Indian ones for India? Like, I mean, the power. Transcribing it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like. Changing, changing the lip shape so you can actually make one video, translate to different languages. And it actually changed the shape of people's lips. So it looks and like it's in that language. And their face as well, right? Like, so it's geolocalized as well, right? Like, so I think there's going to be some significant impact in those creative ones because, like, the costs, otherwise, that whole cost model is going to just have a big challenge, really, you know, like, I think, like, uh, and animation, you know, how to videos are yeah. always expensive to do. And you also are doing training videos internally, training or... videos. So, keep it, we talk about this, this is kind of that cost between consumer and, and playing with it on business use cases, but it's about to cross into having a very serious business use case if you go and play with those those tools and have a look at them. Someone will make an AI start. Someone's gonna do that, right? Like uh, and, and then they're gonna release some, I don't know, some new some some interesting new things like from Game of Thrones. I mean, the Google Lumiere one, which I played a little bit, but some of these things you can't access yet. Even ByteDance, people that own TikTok, they need least ones well, but you can't access it yet. Uh, I think by the end of 2024, it's gonna be, you know, if you think about what 20, beginning of 2023 look like but where we are today you're going to see an exponential change during uh, 2024 in terms of being able just to create you know video animation on the fly for your business of short ones or even quite long ones the most business use cases they're quite short less than five minutes and then you, you're already getting to sort of 30 seconds now quite comfortably by OpenAI, the people that um, brought us chat gpt lots of updates there big ones really as far as we're concerned as far as your public concern is they're reducing the cost of using gpt for 3.5 3.5 turbo that's a sort of model, I have to say, is a lot faster 
if you're using it to um, GPT-4. A lot of things that we do, we tend to use 3.5 because of the speed, also it's cost as well. So you're seeing prices come down as the capability is going up, which is a, a good thing for all of us. One of the things um, Sam Altman's been talking about, the CEO of, of OpenAI, is that the GPU wars now. So what you're seeing is this huge demand for artificial intelligence. It runs on, you know, computers, GPUs, most are made by NVIDIA. He and OpenAI are looking at investing billions, literally, in creating their own sort of supply chain of these chips. You're seeing that the US government uh, brought in as an executive order by President Biden to create fabs in the US, because they all tend to be places like Taiwan, which there is a, a geopolitical risk. So AI and the infrastructure you need to run it is now becoming, it's driving geopolitical decisions about relationships about where you where you place your soldiers where you where you invest billions so you're going to see that continue during 2024 as they the need to control to some extent artificial intelligence really becomes important you now see an open ai have now stopped recruiting i think what they call red teamers for the next model so this could be gpt5 no one there's a lot of you know conspiracy theories and people talking about what gpt5 is going to do Nobody has a clue, but it looks like they they stopped recruiting red teamers. People are used to test these models, which means it looks like testing is either starting or started. So no real news on that yet. Moving on, one of our partners, Eleven Labs. We have got a Eleven Labs grant, which we use for ourselves and our clients as well. This raised eighty million US dollars. So this brings the neatly onto voice actually. But Eleven Labs is one of the best sort of engines creating a realistic voices. We use it quite a lot. So they're now, I think they're the newest AI unicorn. So good for the Eleven Labs team. And it is, it is fantastic. You know, we use it almost um, every day. No, it's really good. Right, so that was quite a bit of news, longer than usual. We've been a lot of work. We're about, to, we're about to refresh our website. We're writing a new white paper on what we call the AI operating system, the AI OS. We're sort of looking at writing that. So if you haven't yet and you're new to implement AI at us, go and read our white papers, especially the AI Assisted Organization. It's actually, hopefully, you can see on screen a QR code to go and download our AI toolkit. And that, that's one of the documents that's in there. So you just scan that and go and download that. You also get our AI agent white paper as well. We have a weekly newsletter, the AI Insider, which is going to kick off again sort of this week. Again, updating that to make it more thematic, make it more useful, make it more relevant to implementing AI in your business. And the big one we've mentioned, the big push is AI training. What we've realized is, is that you can't really progress with implementing artificial intelligence until the people that you want to use it actually know how it works and how to use it. Or you're kind of wasting your time, really. So we've got fundamental courses, foundational courses, prompt engineering, uh, AI fundamentals, content creation, uh, AI for business leaders. So they're kind of 500 pounds each plus VAT. We're doing a pack of three with a 10% discount. And that's got the, the core. So AI fundamentals, content creation, and prompt engineering built in. And also a Microsoft Copilot course as well. There's lots more. We go all the way down to you know quite advanced um, AI for larger enterprise, like innovation and product design. But I would say those four, including Copilot, if you're a Microsoft 365 customer, are the key ones to go and think of and maybe make use of that special offer. AI Activate. So this is our main program we're rolling out. And we've already signed up probably 10 of these at the beginning of the year already in January. So this is the first step into implementing AI in your business. So go and look at our website. You can download uh, an overview. There's actually a page explaining what it is, what the program looks like, policy, governance, training, automating workflows, how you implement voice in your business, for example. And then look at how do you then, at the end of the program, it's 60 days, how do you then map out an implementation plan for AI across your whole business? Anything else, Alan? No, no, makes sense. Oh, there's so much to do, and it's like upskilling the team first, get the right mindset in place. 
I forgot a drink of water today, so I'm spitting. I was just saying Barbados spitting feathers now. Um, so let's move on to the power of voice. This is, this is, we'll try and keep this short because it's Alok's favourite subject. As we were saying, though, our pilot, like 11 labs, it's about voice. Yeah. So when we started out, we kind of said to our clients, do you want to grow revenue? Do you want to cut cash? Do you want to optimise operations? Which one is it? What we find is people, they want to grow. Right? That's what business is about. And one of the ways in which you grow is by, you know, is, is improving your marketing, is improving your sales process, engaging with prospects, conversion, reducing churn if you've got a recurring revenue business because it helps you grow at a much faster rate. What we found is that AI voice, and we, we kind of developed two agents really, and we kind of tweak these different clients based on what they need when we do these uh, MVPs and proof of concepts in our programs. You know, one can be transcribing recorded calls, the other one is engaging with clients and we can actually give you, well, I should give you a URL actually, maybe I'll we'll read it out. You can go and have a play at that as well. Well, it took us with the voice plan. Yeah, so just like you said, like that, there with AI voice, I'm going to really focus on essentially what I call an AI voice agent, which is someone that could actually, well, I say someone, it's an AI that can actually do a phone call for you, or answer a phone call for you, or provide vocal um, guidance on a website. So let's just break that down. Basically, when we opt in on a website, typically we're filling out a form. Now. Sometimes you want to get lots of information from a person, but filling out a form is a bit painful. Well, that's where a voice assistant on the website could actually be super helpful because it can prompt them, ask them what their name is, and then ask them lots of questions in a very natural, intuitive way. And I've actually mapped how much information you can capture from like, let's say 10, 15 seconds of talking versus asking someone to type in, you know, like 20 fields and stuff like this. You get a lot more information and also you get a lot more analytics on like their intent and their interests and everything like this. So that's one example. The phone ones are super in insightful. Like I was having a conversation with one of my friends who works in the construction industry and he was actually telling me that he's got like eight people that literally just take inbound phone calls from people saying they're giving the information on their availability, what they can do and where they're looking for work. So it's actually capturing information and again, filling out a form, filling out the details on the database and then that can be acted on. So again, AI voice agents can then take calls from 50 people in parallel simultaneously, transcribe all that information, ask everything back and go with there. So it could mean that the team members could be upskilled to reach out to more people and do different things in different ways. So voice is extremely powerful. And I've been extremely impressed with like how responsive you can interrupt it. You can kind of talk about it. You can ask it different ways to explain things and it will stay in role as you want it to. So I'm super excited about like the potential for AI to, you know, follow up with you actually opt in on the website, understand more about you, you know, all these so let me just let me butt in there though, because I think sometimes with artificial intelligence, it's hard to if you're not sort of in it every day, it's hard to understand where it is. So a lot of people when you talk about AI voice, they think about a bit like a walkie-talkie. You know, you say something Siri. over or Siri over, it then goes off, it does its thing, it comes back, you know, several minutes later or several seconds later, and you get a response. It's moved on. So in, no matter what day we're talking about AI, it's the worst it's ever going to be. So what's happening now is it's streaming the conversation. So it's happening, it's, it's no longer sort of a, a doing it in sort of blocks. It's streaming the commerce. As you start talking, it's analyzing. So if you're talking to an agent, it's hearing your voice, it's transcribing it, it's going off to the large language model with the prompts, it's then coming out with a response. It's then being used things like 11 Labs, for example. It turned into a voice, a voice of your choice. It can be, we've tried uh, US voices, Antipodean voices. We've got a fantastic sort of UK voice now. It can be a dialect, anything you want. It comes back. That's happening now in about 200 milliseconds. So literally, it's like I'm in a conversation with a human. And as Alok said, you can butt in, it'll stop and listen, and it'll respond. So you could say, my name is Piers. You'll go, hi, Peter. You're going, no, no. I said, Piers. You'll go, oh, sorry, sorry. I'm sorry, I apologize. Hi, Piers. It's literally that quick. So it's completely different. What I find amazing, Alok, when we listen to our calls uh, from the people that 
try it. This is at labs.implementai.io. If you want to have a go on it, it'll call you on your phone. And it's fun how people, they almost start to have to build a relationship with the AI, don't they? They say, oh, thank you for that. It's really yeah, nice. It's just human nature. When it, we went, yeah, when it sounds human, it reacts to you like a human. They engage with it as if it is a human. It's so interesting. And also there's a whole other element of psychology. Like if you ask them what they wanted on a form and they type it, there's nothing really from that, but there's a whole psychological principle called commitment and consistency. When you verbally say, I want this, or I'm looking at this, or I want to do this, you also are biologically reinforcing that within yourself. So I think there's all sorts of interesting things when if you've said you want to do something to the AI and the AI follows up with you in the right way, it's just going to help someone go down further the path they want to go down. And again, if you want to try this, we'll go through a few use cases, but you want to try it, just go to labs.implementai.io. It'll, it can call your phone. But the, the ways this is it's going to be used, we said this last year, that the days of humans answering the phone to take first-line customer support calls are coming to an end. Days having humans, so for example, we developed one um, AI agent for a client, which it looks at their call recordings, analyzes missed opportunities. It then passes on the issue, person, the details, the information to a call agent who then makes an outbound phone call to that particular individual saying, hi, I know we missed this opportunity. I know you wanted this product, this service. Um, I'm sorry we couldn't help you at the time when you were playing golf, whatever the issue was. That's a real use case, by the way, we've seen. Um, and then it closes them. And because it's infinitely patient, and then they know it's not human, in some ways that puts people at, at ease because they don't feel as though they have to have this sort of constant yeah. battle with someone trying to sell them something. Um, and, and what Alex, what we've been doing is working very hard on the prompting mm -hmm. so that the conversation doesn't feel forced, doesn't feel like a hard sell. No, exactly. So it flows much better. It's so interesting. And it's January, 2024. I think this is huge opportunities. I mean, every business has got 30 people it wants to follow up, but the team don't want to call those people, right? You know, no one likes to outbound phone calls. Why not just get an AI agent? Like they call 30 people a day that like lapsed, cancel their subscription, discover why they cancel a subscription, use it as an insights gathering exercise. There's no ego that's going to be harmed by this because your team members are, you know, protected from all that stuff. There's so much you can do to gain more insights and analytics to improve your products and services, but also to sell more as well. In a languages, translation. Again, so this is going to be, we're going to leave it there this week, otherwise it's gone for too long. We are going to come back to voice. Um, our AI of the week, our first one of 2024 is going to be our own because uh, we do this sometime, not all the time, but go and have a go at it. If you if you want to have your mind blown, labs.implementai.io, put in your phone information, you know, all the GDPR stuff you need, just try it and have your mind blown. And just after that conversation, you sit back and think about how can you utilize that in your business today and imagine what it's going to be like by the end of 2024, which is much better. And all the analytics you can get from it is is immense. So I think that's a good place to leave today, basically, Piers, isn't it? Yeah, so as we always say, thanks for listening. Uh, it's been important that you engage with us. Uh, we love reviews. So if you listen to Apple, for example, please do leave reviews, especially if you had to go on our AI call agent. As we said, you've got a QR code there, get our AI toolkit, download it, read our white papers. I'll give you a huge head start on anybody else who hasn't how to implement AI in your business. We have this on YouTube, so please do subscribe to our channel and please do share this as well. Please share our AI Insider newsletter. Uh, Thanks for joining us. We'll be here again next week. And now we're back on the road. And it's been a great sharing the updates for the year with you. This is Piers Nalok, the AI Assisted Organization podcast.